New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in to another episode of New Black Nation podcast. I'm Brandon Wong. I'm Gregory Victor. And we are so happy to be recording our next segment of David Nolan's Five Principles of Libertarianism. Today's topic is going to revolve around no criminal possession law. So just to give us a fun start off to the topic, um, we'll read the point um, in the explanation of the point um, written by David Nolan. So in point three, no criminal possession law. In fact, libertarians believe that individuals have the right to own and use anything, gold, guns, marijuana, sexually explicit material, so long as they do not harm others through force or the threat of force. Laws criminalizing the simple possession of anything are tailor-made for police states. It is all too easy to plant a forbidden substance in someone's home, car, or pocket. Libertarians are as tough on crime, real crime, as anyone, but criminal possession laws are an effort or excuse me, are a a front to liberty, whatever the rhetoric used to defend them. So that's a really bold statement from David Nolan. Um, It also could bring up several questions, particularly uh, when it comes to the guise of sexually explicit materials. Um, Because obviously um, that that could also be saying that um, the allowance of, of, of child pornography should, should not be punishable by law. So it's a very bold statement to say that there will be no criminal possession laws. So I'm interested to see your take on that, um, Greg. And I would first, you know, throw it out there and say, generally, when listening to that, um, how does that sound to you? And, and what are perhaps some of the reservations you might have about it? Well, <clears throat> That particular part, I would say it is troubling uh, because, you know, especially in our community, we already have, um, you know, under uh, underage mothers, right? We have a lot of kids uh, that's not ready for parenthood. They have kids, um, you know, the fathers are not around. So we already have people in our community struggling. Um, I don't think this particular law will work for our community because I think it will it will put us in a deeper um, state of mind and it will um, the poverty level will rise up greater than what it is right now. So that's interesting. So why would you say that the poverty line would would rise higher than than it is now if we were to allow that that will have no criminal possession laws? Well, if you look at the system right now, right, um, the, the, the cases um, of, um, you know, kids in foster home, right, 95% of those kids are African-American, right? If you look at the numbers in New Jersey, there's almost no white kids that's looking to be a dot in the system. You know why? Because that community always support, you know, trying to take those kids out of the system. The Hispanic 
there's not that much kids um, in the system because they also support to take kids out of that system. And the black um, community, there's 90% of black kids, once they reach the age of five, they are stuck in the system till the 18 and get kicked out the system. So now we, we have um, a broken system, right? Because you have kids that's in the, stuck in the system until they're 18 years old, and they're not getting no guidelines, and they're not getting no discipline, they're not getting no direction in life, none whatsoever. Because one thing I could tell you, the government really don't give a damn how those kids turn out. As a matter of fact, if you look at the whole platform and the whole system, it's almost as if they want them to fail in life. Um, so, you know, it's, it's troubling. Um, so what you have is a cycle that keeps repeating itself. It, um, it's, it's not designed to be fixed. So the problem keeps continuing, keeps continuing, because when that kid reached 18, they're out in the street, they need money, they can't get money. Some of them fall to prostitution, some of them fall to different kinds of activities, and they find themselves in the same situation, having kids, they can't take care of the kids, and the kids are dropped in the system. So that's that's troubling. And I feel like if, if this law come into play, that will only make it worse for us. And one, one last thing, talk about predators. Or everyone that you have put in jail for uh, having sexual relationship with underage kids, all those people will deserve um, um, to be put out reparation um well i you know it's interesting you bring that up because i i don't think that sexual violence cases would uh, go against this possession law so this is basically just saying that you know like rapist or you know um child abusers and and uh, any kind of sexual violence cases would still be considered as real crime and prosecutable um where the uh, the interesting part goes is that, okay, so that's saying that, okay, we're still going to make it illegal, you know, for minors to to have sex, but under this guise, it would be saying that, well, the person who has the child pornography is not going to be arrested, um, right, because uh, they have the child pornography, because that's just simple possession. But the people who are forcing kids or or allowing kids, whichever the scenario is, to be involved in child pornography can still very much be um, prosecuted under the law. Well, that I agree with. Um, when, when I'm talking, um, I'm not talking about the, uh, those kind of offense. I'm talking about in general. Let's say right now, you know, you are a struggling parent, right? Um, you have three, four kids. Let's, put, let, let's use this example. As a matter of fact, let me, let me use myself as an example. I have four kids, right? Let's say one of my daughters, um, she's 14, right? I'm the only one working. I'm struggling. She come home with a child from somebody that's 30, 40 years old, and I'm 40 years old. How is that going to sit with me? It's not going to sit well because I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go hunting. You know, because this is the state of mind. You know, we we so quick to give kids and treat them like adults, right? 
And we forgot that if they are kids, the mind is not fully developed yet to do certain things. One of the reasons that a lot of kids end up getting in trouble is because their mind is not, you know, mature yet. These are kids, you know, they, they do dumb things. Kids do stupid things, you know, they want to experience things. So, you know, um, to, to tell a parent or to pass a law or to tell the kids it's okay and stuff, I don't see how... Right now, they're doing it, believe it or not. It's happening right now. Uh, you know, kids, you know, are involved with sexual activities, but they're doing it with kids their age. But if you open that door, you know, to say that they could have it, and then without putting any guidelines, it would be problematic for this country or for our community. Right. And, you know, I think it, it's a it's a very slippery slope in general when we're talking about um, the sexually explicit material because, you know, there's so much that could be put in there that could put uh, more people at risk, um, you know, and while, you, you know, you still may say that, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to stop people from recording pornography like that, mm -hmm. but, you know, to then say that we're not going to um, lock up people who have the pornography is, is, perhaps incentivizing still incentivizing the practice and it'll make people still more more um, um it'll be made more practical for people to utilize um i guess those those forms but now the question comes into interesting play when we're talking about things like marijuana or gold or guns you know and we know we all know the periods or, or, or periods of history with the united states as it relates to these particular topics. So gold, for example, used to be outlawed. You know, they made everyone turn turn back in their gold and they said gold was illegal to have and they forced everyone to have these banknotes um, and they wanted everybody to go into that system. So some would say having a no criminal possession law in place would be really good for scenarios like this. Or for example, the big topic of marijuana in the current age, because um, most people are saying black people are disproportionately arrested or locked up or in prison because of marijuana possession charges. And surely, you know, if you agree with that statement, then having a no criminal possession law would also be something that you would like in your favor. Um, and guns, you know, people are really are really passionate about their Second Amendment law or rights. Um, and they like to bear arms and they want to bear arms and they would not want to be locked up for having a specific type of um, firearm that maybe is not approved or sanctioned from the federal government. So people in that boat would also perhaps be fighting for a no criminal possession law. Um, but, you know, so so I at face value, I don't think this is a completely off kind of proposition or law on the part of libertarians. Um, but I definitely think that as it relates to sexually related material um, and perhaps maybe even hard, really hard level drugs, um, there, there may have to be some kind of restrictions put into place. Um, but I find it interesting that, you know, David Nolan or a lot of libertarians, you know, generally just have this, this uh, principle out without having those kind of exceptions in place. Like just they, they, their basic premise is if you're going to accept one thing, you you have to accept it all, you know? So 
I find that interesting. And I don't know, what do you think about that premise on, on, on the part of the Libertarian Party? Well, you know, it's not, you know, I, I guess this is something that, you know, where, where, um, where, where people will compromise, right? Um, I wouldn't put these things in the same category, right? I wouldn't put sexual thing with possession in the same category. Uh, um, uh, I mean, drug charges um, in the same category with, um, um, with, with the sex thing. So, you know, um, remember David also say, you know, some of those things could be up for discussion. So he may put it in the bowl for us to have a discussion over it and discuss it to see, you know, what will work best um, because he's no longer here to answer questions. So it is up for debate and for us, you know, to um, have a discussion about it to see if it's going to work um, good for our community. I do agree with the Second Amendment. I do believe people have the right to bear arms. I don't believe people should be going to jail for a um, little um, marijuana um, charge. Um, to me, it's nonsense. You, you understand? If it's not uh, a real high-level drug, no, people should not be getting locked up for it. So those are things that I will agree with. I, I, um, you know, I believe people, if they want to bear on, they have the right to do it. I believe if they want to carry marijuana, as long as they're not carrying, you know, um, kilos on them and stuff like that, I believe they should, they have the right to, to do it. Um, they could carry, you know, you know um, nickel bags and stuff like that. They don't have to carry a large amount with them. In Canada, you're allowed to carry, you know, um, um, little um, nickel bags in your packet. Uh, they don't consider you a dealer, you understand? But if you have like five, six, ten little bags in your pocket, then they will look at you. So, you know, um, people are not getting arrested in Canada for those little charges. But here we are. So um, those things need to be changed. But the sex thing with the uh, 14, 15-year-old kids, that's something that I will really take a look at and to see what they really mean by it and what... Um, restriction will they put around that? Right. Um, yeah, um, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree with you, and see see where you're coming from on that. And um, you know, and 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 just uh, I would say in general, like, how do we look at the, um, you know, this kind of statement that follows after this, which I also find really interesting. It, it says here again, and I'll read it, um, laws criminalizing the simple possession of anything are tailor-made for police states. <laughs> so that's a very bold statement on behalf of David Nolan, you know, as most of his statements are. Um, so he's saying that any kind of possession law is going to, um, warrant, you know, the the naming of or the classification of a police state. So, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that? Um, that what that's saying, you know, that he's, you know, basically saying if we have criminal possession laws, we're just a police state. We're just ready to, you know, take over citizens and and, and slam them in jail or whatever. It is. I, I mean, he's right though. If you look at the whole structure of the system, that's exactly what's been happening. Um, and, and, you know, I will take it further. I will say that, you know, um, I will agree with it for the simple fact is we know the system. Um, Lady Liberty uh, is not really blindfolded. So she could see exactly who she's putting in jail and, and who she's not 
put him in jail for the same crime that's being committed. So we do have this problem in our uh, society. And, you know, and these are things that needs to be addressed. Uh, I, I agree with, um, with him in, in this sense because, you know, most of people that's going to jail for small little uh, 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 offenses like that are people from our community. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they're not committing any crime. They're not killing nobody. They're not hurting nobody. If anything, they're hurting themselves. So if we speak about, okay, you know, everybody have the right to do whatever they want to do as long as they're not hurting other people or they're not forcing other people, well, this is a good example of it. When people smoke weed, they get high, they go sit their butt somewhere. They're not out there doing nonsense and stuff like that. So some of, well, some of them do, but the majority of them don't. So they're not really hurting nobody. They, they, you know, they're doing things to please themselves. And if that's how they want to please themselves, I don't, you know, agree with it, you know, um, but if that's how they feel like they want to spend their time, who am I to tell them no? Right. <clears throat> Very interesting. And I mean, but the interesting one, uh, just to play kind of devil's advocate here and, and, and give pushback from what, you know, people would say to that is that, you know, people will say, but, you know, marijuana makes some people extremely lazy, you know, or, you know, these people may, you know, become addicted to marijuana and just kind of be potheads or in, in going a step further, people would say, well, if you're going to say that for marijuana, what's stopping people from having cocaine or heroin or any um, other psychedelics and things like that, that nature? That's two different drugs, right? I grew up around marijuana. I grew up around all of them, right? There's not a case of marijuana smoker that will go around and commit crime after they finish smoking marijuana, if it, if it was not mixed with anything else, right? If it's just pure marijuana, they don't go out and commit crime after that. Alcohol, when you get drunk, you don't know what you're doing. You're crazy. Like, you know, you have no recognition of anything that you do. So in cases like that, if they get behind a wheel and God forbid they get into an accident, guess what? They could hurt other people, right? Crack cocaine, all these things, after they finish taking them, they could hurt other people. There are cases after they finish um, get high, they go out and hurt people. There's not that much cases of uh, people that smoke marijuana that goes out and do uh, those kind of crime after they finish smoking. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the, there's no case to be made here. Because if you look at alcohol, you look at people that's addicted to crack, uh, um, um, cocaine, all these things. You look at them versus people that smoke marijuana and stuff. They don't go out and steal. They just stay lazy. People that send drugs, they will steal from the mother. They will steal from the father. You turn around, you leave your TV here, you might come back not finding the TV because they have to feed that habit. So it takes over them. They have no control um, on, on it anymore. It could destroy a whole structure of a family uh, if someone is um, an alcoholic and or um, you know involved with crack and cocaine, so it's two different things. Like there's no case like here for the two uh, for those different um, kind of drugs. I see. <clears throat> so you would be arguing for um, you. So you would still say to David Nolan, like 
okay, we still need to have some type of, you know, possession law, right, on the books because it, and it has to be a case-by-case basis and it needs to make more sense, at, like, on a, from an educational perspective. You know, oh, like, yeah. what's the cost-benefit analysis and what's the harm, you know, that people are really suffering? You know, if people are not really suffering harm from marijuana, then they should be able to have it. Um, one thing I think that people would probably push back on when when looking at that is that some people will say, well, okay, I see what you're saying, Greg, but, you know, let's say, for example, alcohol. You know, alcohol is extremely detrimental to, like you were mentioning, um, to people's um, um, environment. You know, people can come, become very dangerous you know, when they're alcoholics, a lot of domestic violence, uh, violence cases are um, paired with alcohol, right? Cigarettes, for example, um, they have the potential to be extremely life damaging to people, right? Causing cancer. Um, secondhand smoke, for example, uh, could be very detrimental to people's health, especially if someone's living day to day with a smoker and in, in um, taking in smoke, on a day-to-day basis. So one may say in this scenario that, well, there are some highly functioning cocaine, um, uh, cocaine, um, I, I don't want to say addicts, but uh, people who do cocaine, are, there are some high-functioning cocaine users um, where they can still, um, you know, do their day-to-day, uh, do the day-to-day things and, and not become addicted to cocaine. Of course, that's not everyone, and there are far more people I would imagine that are addicted than than uh, than are not addicted and in, in functioning well. So, you know, what's to say that if we're saying that marijuana is completely okay, or if we're saying cigarettes are okay, or if we're saying alcohol is okay, what makes it not okay for us to say cocaine um, when used responsibly is okay? Cigarette is not okay. You know, as you said, I forgot to mention it earlier, cigarette does um, cause cancer um, to other people, secondhand smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, you may want to give yourself cancer. I'm all good with it. But when you're in an environment, you're the only one smoking and other people don't smoke in the house, so you put their life in danger. So cigarette is just as dangerous. And it's funny how it's okay for people to smoke cigarette, but it's not okay for them to smoke weed. So, um, but... To, to get to your point, why, um, right? I know people that take um, crack. Well, I want to say crack because once you start taking crack, you have no more control. You you basically gone. But like cocaine, people, some people okay. in the financial interest industry or yeah. legal industry use it a lot, right? And they're still able to work and do everything. Cocaine, <laughs> cocaine is something that I know well, right? Um, you're right. They, they, um, um, they do have a lot of people. Um, as a matter of fact, the company that we work for, um, the transition happened. Um, when I was out there doing my thing, they, I had a few people that was involved uh, with that. I used to get supplies for them and stuff like that, right? Um, cocaine, they are people that know how to manage it. They know how to use it. They don't overdose on it. So those are people that have control of everything that they do. Because even the way it is, if you overdo it, it will become problematic because it could cause your heart to stop in the second. 
So, you know, I do see people um, um, take it, but they don't take it through their nose most of the time. They take it through their mouth. You know, it's like throwing a few sugar inside of your mouth to give you a little boost or a little high so you could stay up and do what you have to do and stuff. Um, mm, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. There are people, yeah, yeah. people that, you know, um, that, that I know that have great control of it. Um, but nevertheless, it is more dangerous than marijuana. It is more dangerous. It has more of an effect than marijuana does. So that's that's what I would say to you. Mm -hmm. So um, be, because it's more dangerous, what we then, um, would you emotion that we um, get rid of uh, cocaine in general? Or would you say that we highly regulate cocaine or... Um, yeah, or just become, I know you're not going to say completely open about it because we clearly know that there's some danger there. But so where would your stance be on that, um, that we should still have it outlawed or should it be heavily regulated? Here's what I think, right? Um, I believe, you know, if someone have control of something, thing, regardless if I agree with it and disagree with it, uh, it have nothing to do with it, right? Um, you know, if the person have control of themselves, if the if the person have been using and they have not been committing any crime or put anybody life in danger, what I would say is um, regulate it for them, right? I know the um, I forgot the the name of the state um, where the government actually give them needles to prevent them because they cannot stop it. People keep doing it. They couldn't stop it, so the government pro, uh, provide them with needles to use, so they don't share needles with each other, so they don't pass disease and, um, to one another. Right, that's so in Portugal. That's huh? in Portugal. Okay, yeah. So they regulate it for them because they don't have uh, control to stop it. So when you cannot stop something, you regulate it, right? Um, I, I think they could do the same thing if someone, you know is doing it or they want to do it okay just like you know people that want to smoke marijuana they go to a doctor um get a uh um, a prescription to go to the drug and pick up their drugs do it that way I i'm fine with that because now at least you know where it's coming from and you know who's taking it versus you know the person have someone in the corner they're taking it from and you don't know what is being mixed with mm, got it okay that makes sense um yeah i can i definitely see that i mean for me it's coming from a place of fear i think and i'm like you know it is a little hard of a, of a challenge for me to accept it but at the same time i feel like i would ultimately accept it um if that's the case um just for the sense of you know we do want more liberties but at the same time i can't help but you know, be a little apprehensive apprehensive about it just because I know that, you know, drugs can ravage ravish a community. And I think that's you know what you started out with also when we um when we started here. Um so we know, you know, the effects of drugs and you know on particularly on the black community and et cetera. So um definitely allowing it could be somewhat dangerous, but definitely looking at examples like Portugal and um, other places in Europe who have tried this experiment, 
um, with allowing people to do it in a controlled way um, could be a, a potentiality or could be a compromise that we can make on this. Um, but I think both of us agree that, you know, at least as it relates to the drug topic and the sexually explicit material topic, that that's still something that should be um, controlled to some degree. Oh, just, okay. just not, you know, overly controlled, but, you know, certainly controlled to a place where we can avoid the, or, or minimize the amount of harm. Yeah. Hmm. You know, because, you know, listen, I grew up in um, the nineties, right? Um, if you Google um, Bookdale Hospital back in 1990, 91, 92, it was nothing but crack babies in there. Crack uh, um, babies was being born around those times. And so, so I know there's a damage um, to it. I know there's an effect to it. Um, I know it's dangerous, you know. So, but when you have someone that's already addicted to it, someone that um, is already high off it and they don't have the ways and means to get the help that they need, to go to intervention, uh, to remove those things from their system, then if you regulate it for them, at least there's a, there's a sense of security, right? Um, because you know now the person is not going to go out robbing. You know that the person is not going to um, go commit crime to get money to buy it because now all they have to do is go to the doctors, get a prescription, the doctors know how much they're giving them, and everything is all good. And stuff because now you have control of it in that sense. Uh, so you know, uh, I don't agree with the drugs at all, but we're not living in a perfect world. People do do it, and people do commit crime over it. So they're just regulating instead of putting people in jail for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there, and I think that's kind of like a loophole that we can see in in David Nolan's uh, um, perspective on this. Like so. The, the operative word here is not to criminalize a, this this activity or possession activity, right? And and I think it seems that both of us kind of are are on the point of agreeing that, um, you know, these kind of things should not be criminalized. A person shouldn't be facing jail time um, because of this mere possession of something. Um, but that person should be getting help um, if yeah. it is a habit that is is detrimental to their life or to people yes. who are in their lives or in the sphere of their lives or the, you know, yes. their intimate circle. And yes. I, I, I much rather agree with that than, yeah, than saying the criminalization thing. So I feel like if David Nolan is saying this, you know, don't criminalize it, but just make sure that resources are available to help people, you know, who may have problems with this, you know, and, you know, and, and really help them versus, you know, punish them for the mere possession of something. Yeah, because, you know, um, it, it, it makes perfect sense, right? Um, because you, you will be helping people, like, you know, because when, once you charge someone with this thing, it stays in their record. It could even affect them from getting a job to move on in life. So there, there's, there's a lot of consequences to it. It's not just, oh, I'm going to put you in jail, in jail for drug position and you know, when you go for a job interview, it doesn't show. It shows right there and then, and it, will, it may cause you to get a job, you know, to be, you know, to better yourself. So there's consequences to it. So, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I love David's platform. Don't get me wrong. I love all these things. I think um, it's a better platform for me 
as a black person, and I think it will benefit a lot of black people, the platform that he put in place. It's just a few things needs to be treated, um, um, tweaked in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, yeah, I mean, because there there is an issue with police state, and we have seen scenarios where, you know, uh, black, particularly black people or people in general, you know, across America have had evidence planted on them, you know, or, you know, it, and it wasn't really supposed to be for them. It was just kind of a setup or whatever, or it was for them and they wanted to set them up. So, you know, especially in these kind of poor communities that don't have the opportunity to defend themselves as much in, as in affluent communities. You want me to give you, tell you something funny? Mm. Uh, five, no, six years ago, right? Um, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we watch a cop, you know, arrested five, six guys, right? And because they were selling drugs in the corner. And they arrested them. And me and my cousin, we were in the car. We said, you know what? Let me follow them to see, you know, if they're really going to take them to jail. And I don't know why that thought came in my mind, right? Because they're always hustling them in the corner. Do you know four blacks down, they came out the car, let them out, and they go about their business? Wow. Do you know what that means? That means that they were dealers for those cops. Yeah, and they gave them the money. Exactly. There's a lot of things cut. that Mm -hmm. Yeah, going on. A lot of those little dealers that we have in the street, people really think that, you know, it's all in the black community. No. I knew people that was getting guns from cops to resell in the street. So these, these are things that I live and I know. So it's not always, you know, what it seems, you know. And half of the time they can't talk because it's their word. It's their word against a, a police officer's word. It's always going to be the police officers over them. So most of them end up getting the rap or go to jail for it. But you know, there's a lot of back uh, uh, um, behind the scene work that's going on with you know cops involved in these kind of things. Mm. Why wow. they should. Not criminalize people forward, they should help them instead. Right. And and help these people kind of get things done in a controlled way. So that way we don't have like corruption and, and that way we can actually tax these things. You yeah. know, and, and make sure that there is some kind of a a kickback for the government and, and also those so that we can stop people from doing these things in the shadows. Um, where it's like extremely dangerous and just allow people to be outside, but in a way that's more controlled in a way that's more um, conducive or safe to the community at large. I have a question for you, right? Mm-hmm. we got to reparation, right? Okay. Right now, marijuana is legalized in the U.S., right? People, all they have to do go to the doctors. We have shop all over the place. People, they are allowed to grow it now without getting arrested, right? What do you think about all the young kids that went to jail and spent a good amount of their years in jail for small marijuana um, charges, and now the government is taxing, making a fortune off it? Do you think those people deserve of, um, reparation? Ah, oh, that's such an interesting thing. Um, 
when it comes to something like that, you would um, you would basically be you'd basically be saying that you have to you know something was culturally unacceptable um, in the past, and that's why they lock people up for it. Um, that they should receive some kind of repayment or some kind of a treatment for it. Um, to that, I would say, mm, I, I, I really wouldn't know how I feel about that. I'd be kind of mixed on that. Um, in one sense, I would say you definitely should expunge their records. Um, the marijuana charges that they received or any charges that they receive in relation to the marijuana charges should definitely be dropped. Um, so that that way people have a newer chance on life and, you know, can get into the mar the legal marijuana business, for example, um, or they can, you know, start a business or, you know, get a job. Um, I, I definitely don't think that they should be um, scrutinized. Um, and I think that record should, should no longer follow them um, because this is something that's clearly acceptable. Um, on a vast majority of states now. And I think a way that they could help is to allow these people to get into the legal market to do this um, legally. Um, so in that way, I feel that there should be some help there. But in terms of just giving people maybe perhaps money um, because of what the, them having to go through prison sentences, I wouldn't believe in. Um, because I feel that this was something that was against the law at the time. This was something that was um, ruining communities. And we also have to keep in mind that, you know, people who are selling marijuana were not just selling marijuana. They were also selling cocaine and high-level drugs as well. Um, and those drugs predominantly affected Black communities in a very bad way. Um, so because of those reasons, I, I would definitely say um, I wouldn't, to give res reparations beyond the point of making sure that their record is wiped clean and that they have the opportunity to seek new employment. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, I do believe that they need a second chance, um, you know, to get back to society uh, with a clean record. Uh, to, well, not a clean record, to remove those charges from them, like you say, and give them a chance uh, to, to get into the market legally. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yep. Well, um, I think that was a very riveting uh, the conversation that we've just had about no criminal possession laws. Um, I think it's fair to say that we all agree that, you know, we can't say 100% that we won't have any kind of restrictions or regulations whatsoever, um, but certainly people should not be jailed um, for the mere possession of something. Um, and I think we, a lot of us and a lot of our listeners and um, a lot of Americans across the country can uh, agree on that. And I think this, you know, coming from this perspective can provide a, a good common ground between the two worlds of conservative and liberal. Um, and as you said, have a profound effect on um, the black community and communities in general across the United States. Um, we always need more health, um, health, health resources, um, and we need to make things accessible for people. And, um, you know, we have to work together as a society. Um, so with that being said, I think that was a, a great conversation, and I think we'll end that conversation there. Um, the next uh, topic that we will be covering from David Nolan is 
the uh, fourth point for him, and that's no taxes on productivity, um, which I really, really um, enjoy and um, wholeheartedly agree with 100%. So um, I'm interested to see how Greg will um, feel about that uh, specific, uh, specific point. Um, but I'd like to thank all of you again for tuning in to another episode of New Black Nation podcast with Greg Victorin and Brandon Wang. Um, as always, you can find us on our Instagrams and social media accounts using our full names, Greg Victorin and Brandon Wang. Um, and you can also email us because we love to get your questions and, and talk with you guys about what you've heard. Um, you can email us at gvictorin at mbnusa.com or bwang at mpnusa.com. So thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you on the next episode. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs>